0: Good morning. morning. What a lovely day. Our reading this morning is the fifth chapter of Deuteronomy. The reading of the Ten Commandments again. Then Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the ordinances which I am speaking today in your hearing, that you may learn them and observe them carefully. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, with all those of us alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face at the mountain from the midst of the fire. While I was standing between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire and did not go up the mountain. He said, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your cattle or your sojourner, who stays with you, so that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery you shall not steal you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor you shall not covet your neighbor's (laughs) wife and you shall not desire your neighbor's house his field or his male servant or his female servant his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor these words the Lord spoke to all your assembly at the mountain from the midst of the fire of the cloud and of the thick gloom with a great voice and he added no more he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me and when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness while the mountain was burning with fire you came near to me all the heads of your tribes and your elders you said behold the lord our god has shown us his glory and his greatness and we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire we have seen today that god speaks with man yet he lives <coughs> Now then, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer. Then we will die. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Go near and hear all that the Lord our God says. Then speak to us all that the Lord our God speaks to you, and we will hear and do it. The Lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke to me, and the Lord said to me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people, which they have spoken to you. They have done well in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always. Then it may be well with them and with their sons forever. Go say to them, Return to your tents. But as for you, stand here by me, that I may speak to you all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which you shall teach them that they may observe them in the land which I give them to possess. So you shall observe to do just as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right or to the left. You shall walk in all the way which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you will possess. Praise God.
1: Time to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be looking this morning at verses 2 and 3. Ephesians 6, 2 and 3. Be motivated to obey. It'll be our topic today. Be motivated to obey. Children, young people... God is good to the people He has created. He is good to you. And He wants good for you. Your parents and your church want you to know this God who is so good. He has created us and we live our lives under His loving, watchful eye. And kids, in just a few weeks, we're going to have a conference with an organization called Creation Truth. And yes, we will get to see how cool dinosaurs were. But, even more importantly than that, what we want to learn from that, what we want you to take away is we want you to know our Creator. We want to focus on Him as our Creator, and the worship service will be Christ the Creator for that weekend. And we want you to know Him. We want you to know our Almighty God. We want you to know how good He is to us. Well, how is He good? Well, one way in which He's good is He gives us His Word. His Word tells us how to live well under His loving, watchful eye. He's given us in his word rules for us to live by. And those rules, all of them, those commands are meant for our good. As we said before, they are meant to guard our freedom. So that we can live a good long life. And just as as I've kind of playfully said, you know, kids, we, we want you to have the freedom to walk down the hall to your friends. It's a theme here, right? So still not getting it, but hopefully we get this through. But no, we want you to have the freedom to walk down the hall to see your friends. And so we have a rule you may not run because that'll take away that freedom. The same is true when you think more broadly is that God gave us these rules to safeguard our freedom. He wants us to live a long and full life. Some people think of God as just this, you know, cosmic meanie. He's just trying to take away all of our fun and, and just impose rules and rules and rules to keep us from, you know, being able to enjoy life. And that is not at all what we should take away from the fact that our God has given us rules. He wants us to live a long, good, full life. And his commands are there to safeguard that. So when you hear commands like, children, obey your parents, don't think of those commands as robbing you of your joy and your freedom. Think this instead. My loving Father, my loving Lord Jesus, they are protecting my freedom, and they want me to have a full, joyful life. That's one of the things that we want you to take away from these messages that we've had where we've, we've talked about obedience and God's law and how to think about it and, and these, you know, commands that God has given you. Children, obey your parents, and we're going to see you honor your father and mother today. We want you to think rightly about these commands because, you know, we, all, of, all of us who are adults... We have felt this, whether we are kids or we sometimes still feel this when we come across God's commands. We know you feel it, kids, when we as parents call you and as a church call you to obey God's commands. And there will come a point where when you you hit, you know, those preteen, teen years, and for some it's a little after that even, where you start feeling like, you know, I want to just get these rules off of my back. I want to be out from under them and have freedom. And you, you are likely to be faced with that temptation. So we want now to help you think rightly about those rules so that you don't do that. And adults, you and I need this just as much as they do. Because we all have somebody to obey. We all have our almighty God to obey, too. So last week, we looked at the command and the reason for obeying that command. Children, obey your parents. Why? Because it's righteous in Christ's eyes. Today, we're going to look at what should motivate you to obey your parents. And we're going to see even more how good our God truly is. Now, certainly the primary reason that God has given us his commands is because he is holy. Remember, we read that in Leviticus 19, where the Lord says, You shall be holy, for I, Yahweh your God, am holy. And he wants us to be like him. We must be holy because he is holy. He is our God. But he wants us to be like him because he wants us to be with him and so he has given us his word but that doesn't keep god from also wanting good for us that's sometimes that's where we stop you know obey god because he's holy well, that's the first thing but we we shouldn't stop there he wants good for us you see it's both it's not just the one thing and so particularly kids but for all of us God promises good things to children who obey their parents. He promises good things to all of us when we obey Him and we obey authorities above us. But children, God promises good things to you who obey your parents. You need to get that? Does that phrase good things stand out to you kids? I hope it does. You know, don't let, you know, the obey be the thing that stands out to you. Like, oh, Obey, you know, heavy, you know, oppressive. No. Let the good things stand out to you and, and think about that in your mind, if you will. Chew on that. Let it sink in because that's what we're trying to drive home. That's what Paul does here and even God does in the Old Testament. We'll see. So, children and young people, let's review again what we've learned so far. First, obedience is about the Lord. Remember, obey your parents in the Lord. And then he says, because this is right. And so, it's about Him. It isn't about your parents, and it's not even about you. It's about Him. It's about you learning to obey Him. You're learning to live life well in the presence of our Lord Jesus. Second, In God's eyes, it is right for you to obey your parents. And now third, what we're going to look at here shortly, is that good things come when you obey your parents. Good things come when you obey your parents. Now, parents, I want to talk to you for a little bit here, briefly. Recall the slide that we had about Paul's method for... Biblical parenting, where you're issuing the command, and then you give a reason or reasons for that. Why should they obey? Tying it back to Scripture, remember. And then also, now we get into that third principle of motivate. Motivate your children. And, and some of you, you parents may be thinking, no, no, we need to put up there first, you know, warning them about consequences. Well, we are going to get there. That is an important step. But we're going to follow Paul's method. And we're going to follow God's method from even the Old Testament. Parents, motivate your kids first. Okay? And there is a place after that, and we'll talk about that, Lord willing, next week, for discipline, for uh, the consequences and warning about those. But this this is what Paul does here in Ephesians 6. That's what... God does, we we will see, we've read already from Deuteronomy 5. We'll talk about that a little bit more. They motivate first. They tell you why it is good to obey. They tell you that first. Okay. So, children, the Lord is first gentle with you. First, He is first gentle with you. Because He calls you to obey because He wants good for you. It's not that he's just you know willy-nilly you know imposing rules on you he wants good for you everything that he has commanded you he's intending it to be good for you to work good for you good in your life but know that he takes obeying your parents so seriously that if you will not hear him through motivation you will have to hear him through discipline. Okay? So you can see how this where this is coming, where this is going, okay? And this is our God's grace. He calls out to you and he says, okay, you're, I've appointed your parents to carry this stuff out to enforce this in your lives right now. And so we can also say that if you will not hear your parents through motivation, And they say, this is what's good, why you should do this. If you won't hear them through motivation, you will have to hear them through discipline. God does that because he does both of those. Because he loves you. You see, so we're still talking about God's goodness, his love. Even the discipline is because he loves you. And that should be your parents' motive. And, and you know, for the parents that are here, I know that that's their motive. Sometimes, you know, we lose sight of that as parents. That's easy because we're sinners to lose sight of that. But that is our motive, too. Our, our desire is out of love. Okay, so let's talk about the outline that we started last week, and, and we'll complete it here uh, this morning. So the outline for chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents because it pleases Christ. We saw that at the first part of 6.1. Obey your parents because it pleases Christ. And then for you to, to hear this too, we saw Christ considers your obedience to be righteous behavior. It is right. It is something righteous. It's a good thing. It doesn't earn righteousness, but it's a righteous thing for you to do, to obey your parents. And then we'll see today, be motivated by God's promise to you. So your parents are kind of in the background, you know, learning this, if they haven't already learned it, about this method. But kids were talking to you because Paul, through God through Paul is talking to you. Be motivated by God's promise to you. Ephesians 6, 2 and 3, that's what we're going to look at today. So look with me again, back at Ephesians 6, and we'll look first at verses 1 and 2. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So Paul first commanded children to obey their parents, and then he said, "This is right." And we get to see another reason why it is right, because it's in His Word. His Word has long ago said that this is a good thing. This is the right thing. <clears throat> and His Word, remember, remember what Paul said in Romans seven twelve: God's Word is holy and righteous. And good. God's Word calls children, Old Testament and New Testament, to obey their parents. And God's word is righteous. And so here's another reason why it is right for you to obey. In this case, in His Word, where we find this first part of verse 2, honor your father and mother, is in the Ten Commandments. This is the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother. Deuteronomy 5:16, Exodus 10, 12. <coughs> Is that the right Exodus passage? 20. Yeah, there's a typo there. So, <laughs> instead of a two, I put a... Yeah, it didn't sound right. It was like... Yeah, Exodus twenty twelve. Thank you. <clears throat> now, you may be wondering, kids, okay, <clears throat> he said obey your parents. Now he says honor your parents. So, what, what's, what's going on there? Well, obeying is a part of honoring. Honoring is the broader concept. And... And so a way in which you honor them is by obeying them. But they're both commands here. Let's talk about this word honor. Honor is to show that you consider something of high value. Now, it might not be a person. It might be a thing. But you honor it because you, you consider it of high value, of great worth. If you're talking about a person, typically what we mean by this word honor is to treat them with dignity, to hold them in honor, to show them great respect. And kids, those are great phrases for you to to have in your mind as you you think about, how do I honor my parents? And this is true even for those of us who are not under our parents' authority anymore. But kids, while you are under your parents' authority, you must show them respect And you must obey them. We're going to look at some Old Testament passages. I want us to see how seriously God takes children obeying their parents. Now, there's going to be some very severe, serious consequences that the Old Testament put upon kids that didn't obey their parents. The New Testament doesn't call for that, those severe consequences. But I want you to see how serious this is. Go back, all the way back in the Old Testament to Exodus. We're going to look at Exodus and Deuteronomy and then Leviticus. So, Exodus 21. <clears throat> Exodus 21, verse 15. And kids, you can be very glad that you're a New Testament Kid, and not an Old Testament kid. Exodus 21, verse 15. He who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. And then verse 17. And he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Okay, now turn to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 21. Deuteronomy 21, verses 18 to 21. And you see how serious God takes this. If any man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother, and when they chastise him, he will not even listen to them. Then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gateway of his hometown. And they shall say to the elders of his city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And then all the men of his city shall stone him to death. So you shall remove the evil from your midst and all Israel shall hear of it and fear. Okay, now Deuteronomy 27. Deuteronomy 27, verse 16. Cursed is he who dishonors his father or mother. So you see, if you don't honor them, you're dishonoring them. Okay. Cursed is the man, or he is he who dishonors his father or mother. and All the people shall say amen. And now turn back to Leviticus. Go so back to the left. Leviticus 19, we read, I think it was last week in that one, or maybe a couple weeks ago. Leviticus 19, verse 3. Every one of you shall reverence his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am Yahweh your God. So that word for reverence there in this translation is fear. It's the same word for fearing God. Children, you are called to fear, this respectful fear, this awe, because God has put you under both your mother and your father. And one of the things that I want to take a minute to, for us to talk about, and mainly for the adults here, that we need to be careful... Um, when we we push back on the world, the the feminism of the world, which we've been doing in this whole larger series. You know, feminism is is ungodly, it's unbiblical, and we've pushed back against it. But we need to be careful in our zeal to push back on it, not to misrepresent what the Bible is actually saying. And some people, it seems, they, they, they go too far the other direction, and they act as if, the father is really the only one that needs to be obeyed. Or if he's if the children are to obey the mother, it's because dad told them to. No, it's because God told them to, as we find here. That last verse we just read, Leviticus 19.3, says, Kids, you owe equal obedience and equal respectful fear to your mother and your father. And... While he often puts the father first in these passages, in that one he puts the mother first. Make sure you don't miss that. You must show her respectful fear. Now, the dad as head, part of his job is to see to it that you do, that you show respectful fear to your mom. And, and so he must make sure that happens, that you honor your mother. Now, when you children are no longer under your parents' authority, uh, and that's, that's kind of a, a thorny issue, like, okay, to, you know, there's different ideas as to when that happens. There is one thing we know for sure. That when you're married, you no longer obey your parents. Actually, if you're still obeying mom and dad after you're married, you're sinning. And if mom and dad are expecting you to obey them. And I know sometimes, you know, we, we talk about those, you know, apron strings and whatever, and purse strings and stuff. Those need to be cut. You know, or we're sinning. So, <clears throat> we know for sure that when kids, when you get married, you're no longer under your parents' authority. And we know that, like Ephesians 5.31 we looked at. That means you no longer obey them. You know, your kids are like, yes, can I get married tomorrow, you know. <clears throat> and while you're, you're still under their authority legally until you're 18, they have to say whether you can get married or not, so the answer is No. Okay, but what I'm getting at is this. At that point, you will no longer obey them, but you still will have to honor them. See, that's honor is that larger umbrella term. Obeying is part of that when you're under their authority. But as soon as you're not under their authority anymore, you still have to honor them. And think about what Jesus said. This is just an example of that even after you're married, you're, you're grown, married on your own, got your own family, you still have to honor your parents. And Jesus rebuked people in his day because they weren't seeing that their parents' needs were met. You know, as their parents were getting older, maybe they couldn't work anymore and and they, they had needs. And their grown kids weren't honoring them by taking care of them, seeing that their needs are met. Matthew 15, you can check on that. So, why is honoring and obeying parents so important? Well, it's a key way in which children learn to obey God. Uh, it's interesting, and, and you know, we, we probably won't all agree on this, because there's no agreement anywhere, on how do you, how do you divide up the Ten Commandments? You know, you know, we talk about the two tablets, you know, and in, in our minds we usually think five and five, right? But number five seems to really switch, Talking about the first four is all about God. Okay, you've got to get that right first. But then, does five belong on the first table? Some people say that it does. And and I have no idea what what God would intend and what he intended by that. But it's interesting that the very first one, after saying you shall love the Lord your God and, and all those wonderful things about how we love God and don't make idols and all that the very next one is honor your father and mother number 5 and that's i think important because as kids how are you going to learn to obey god you go read especially deuteronomy you know it, fathers and mothers are responsible for teaching these things to their children. And we're going to see verse 4 of Ephesians 6, same thing. Parents are responsible for teaching. Why? Because the goal is not... the, The end goal is not that you learn to obey mom and dad. Because that's a temporary relationship. Like I said, remember, when you're married, for sure, by that time, you don't obey them anymore. Okay? And what they're ultimate goal is to help you obey god and want to obey him to love him with all your heart mind soul and strength that's what that's why god has given you parents not just for your protection and so forth but so that you might come to know god to live so that you learn how to live life well in the presence of god how to live under the loving eye of jesus here in Ephesians six, we're talking about the Lord Jesus, and and that you're obeying in the Lord. You see, that's why Paul tied that in verse one: obey your parents in the Lord, because it's really about Him. And so, even as you learn to obey your parents, what you're learning is how to learn how to obey God, how to live under Him. As we said last time, uh, quorum Deo, in the presence of God. Okay, so let's talk about the motivation now. Out of all of God's Old Testament commandments, this one, honor your father and mother, Ten Commandments, number five, this is the first one that has a promise attached to it. Now, you may say, hmm, we just read that before we started the sermon. And I remember... It seemed like there was a promise on number two. Okay, let's go back there to... Let's check it out. Deuteronomy 5, again. Did commandment number two have a promise attached to it? If that's the case, then we'd have to say, Paul, you made a mistake here, right? Well, of course, if you know anything about your Bible and what we believe about that, that's not going to be a, a thing. But we need to figure out, okay, what's going on. <clears throat> okay, so Deuteronomy 5, look at verse 8, 8 through 10. God says there, this is the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them. Or serve them? Why? For I, Yahweh, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. And so it might seem at first reading that what he's saying there in in commandment number two, that there's a promise. Okay, two things to say about that. One is that this promise of loving kindness is not tied to the second commandment. It's tied to the support for the second commandment, which is God is a jealous God. Meaning, here's the consequences if you hate me, and here is the reward, the blessing, if you love me, if you obey me. You see, it's tied to the support, not to the second commandment. Okay, well, you say, ah, that's not enough, John. I'm still not convinced. Okay, well, even stronger. At the end of verse 10, he shows loving kindness, that's the promise, to thousands, to those who love me and keep what? My commandments. Yes, plural. So it actually applies to all of his commandments, not just the ten, but all of them, Right? You see, so it's not tied to the second commandment. What Paul is saying is that the promise that he quotes there in verses 2 and 3 of Ephesians 6 is tied to a commandment, number 5, and it's the only one, the first one, that has a, com- a promise tied to it. Does that make sense? You see, because what he's saying in the second commandment is the promise is for those... Or is. is part of the supporting truth that he's a jealous God and it applies to all commandments. And what he's saying here about the fifth commandment and its promise, that's the only time, the first time that that has happened. So hopefully that makes sense and hopefully I was able to explain it well. It is the first command to have a promise tied specifically to it. That's what Paul is saying. Okay, now, back in Ephesians 6. What then is the promise here? It has two parts to it. Verse three. That it may be well with you, part one and part two, that you may live long on the earth. Let's talk about what does it mean? What does well mean? What is that it may be well or it may go well with you? Well, that word was used as we he's quoting from the Old Testament. So we look at the Old Testament and we see how it was used. It described prospering, but not just material prospering, like, you know, having more money and a bigger house and and not just that so much, but prospering in the sense of receiving God's covenant blessings, which included, uh, there there can be some material prosperity in that, but it's primarily spiritual blessings. And so, that's one way in which this going well for you is used, receiving God's covenant blessings. Another way is being pleasing to God. And, And I've, giving you some uh, New Testament uh, references there that we've seen, like Ephesians 5.10, what are we concerned with? Being pleasing to the Lord. And then what we just saw in verse 1 there, that it's obey in the Lord and because it's right, you see, pleasing to God. And then one more thing that this idea of going well for you means is is having joy or cheerfulness. And you can think of Proverbs 15.13 there as an example of how it's used there. So think of it this way, kids. You know, you've, you've all seen a train, you know, and it's got tracks, right? Now, have you ever seen one of those trains, not another train, but one of those trains, you know, that carries all the cargo and all that, just driving down your you know, street? No, you haven't. Not a real one anyway. Why? Because it didn't work well. You know, for one, they wouldn't get but maybe, you know, two or three inches because the way their wheels are made, it would just sink even into our pavement. OK. And so a train doesn't go well off the tracks, but it goes very well when it stays on the tracks. That's because the wheels are designed to fit the tracks. Okay? And you can kind of see on the slide there a close-up of that wheel and how that wheel is not shaped like the wheels in the vehicle you rode to church in. Okay, This one is kind of have a funny way that it's cut, right? And designed. It's designed to fit the tracks. And, and so, think this way. You are created in God's image, that's the tracks, and you're designed to go well when you're on the tracks. Okay, so you're the train with those wheels that are designed. Remember, we talked about that. You were created in God's image, and if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're recreated in His image. And God's law, His word is in His image, right? We talked about that and how those match. And that's what we're talking about here. It goes well with you when you're living the way you're supposed to live, the way God created you to live. He created you in his image, and, and he says, okay, if you're in my image, and you are, then my laws, my commands, are also in my image, and so you will fit them. And so you, if you live according to those, then you're like the train that stays on the track, and it goes very well. And that's the idea that he's talking about here. And, of course, when you go off the tracks, it does not go well. In his commentary, Harold Honer defined going well this way. <clears throat> it's the stability and discipline necessary to function well within the family and society. As a general rule, obedience and honor foster self-discipline. That's the, the life of where you are obedient. You're living according, according to God's word. Which in turn brings stability, longevity, long life, and well-being. But then on the flip side, disobedience and dishonor promote a lack of discipline, disobedience, right, which in turn brings instability, a shortened life and a lack of well-being. I know, kids, that was a mouthful. That's more for your parents. So but make sure that they got it. OK, so ask them on the way home. Now, what was it that Dr. Honer said? And yeah. OK. So what about this long life? The second part of the promise that you may live long on the earth. Well, in the Old Testament, remember how we read. One thing that that would include is what happened to a child who would not obey his parents, was rebellious, who cursed his parents. What happened? Do you remember, kids? Any any kid? All of you. You got a whole bunch of them here. One of y'all. What happened to that child who was rebellious, didn't obey his parents? Yeah, they got stoned. Who said that? Thank you. Thank you, Becca. You get a gold star. If I had one, I'd give it to you, right? Okay. Awesome. Thought we were going to have to go back and read all those again. (laughs) And if you got stoned, what happened? You died, right? So it's real easy to see. You're not going to have a long life. So if you have this disobedient way about you as a child back then, they would drag you to the city gates and put you to death. And so that is in part what that originally meant. But Paul ties that just as God through Moses tied it to it going well with you. And so more is going on than just that, okay? Because why would Paul quote this in the New Testament when we don't have those laws where we can, you know, should put a rebellious son to death? Well, so here in the New Testament, Paul, he's using this principle, this Old Testament principle, that God blesses obedience. And I think he, it's just broader than just, you know, you might die early. It, it can be that. But it's more than that. God blesses obedience. In Leviticus 18.5, you shall keep my statutes and my judgments. And then God says this, by which a man may live if he does them. Leviticus 18.5. So what God had said back then, and I think Paul still has in mind, is that obedience is the way to enjoy life and freedom according to God's ways. You say, do do you get that? Obedience is the way to enjoy life and freedom according to God's ways. Not your ways, I know. You know, that's the running in the hall freedom, right? That we think is freedom. But according to God's ways. God wants you children, and wants us adults, to enjoy the freedom of the life he's created us for. Freedom in that life. But it's according to his ways. Go back to Proverbs 10. Great verse. Uh, that spells this out very clearly. Proverbs 10, verse 27. Remember, Solomon talks a lot about the fear of the Lord, the fear of Yahweh in Proverbs. And he does that here again. Proverbs 10, 27. The fear of Yahweh does what? Prolongs life. But the years of the wicked will be what? Shortened. See, that. That's a general truth of how God's ways work. You obey, long life, rebellious, disobedient, short life. John MacArthur encourages us that a family where children and parents live in mutual love and submission will have rich, God-given harmony and satisfaction that other families cannot know. Do you get that? A family where children and parents live in mutual love and submission will have rich, God-given harmony and satisfaction that other families can never know. And then regarding this promise of long life, MacArthur goes on he says, The believer who honors his parents can know that his lifetime will be the full measure that God intends. Your life will be the full measure that God intends. Now, do these promises mean that you children if you especially you come to know Christ and you obey your parents from the heart that you're guaranteed to live a long full life does that does this mean that well it doesn't there are children who even that become believers and they're godly obedient children that die before they have a long life that sometimes happens. This is not a guarantee, as uh, John Eddy says. It's the usual course of providence. In other words, this is the way that God typically works. That's why we find it, especially in Proverbs. This is how God's way, His world, typically works. Blessing as a reward for loving obedience is the usual way that God works. You see, so you're you're rewarded, children for first loving God and obeying Him, and then loving your parents and obeying them as a part of your love for God. And He blesses that, typically. Now, are you thinking, oh man, that poor kid, he came to know Christ, and he's been obeying his parents, and he dies. Something happens. He dies. Maybe he dies as as a young person. Maybe... You know, we've known of people that just finished high school and just got into college. Godly young man or young woman, and some disease gets them, and they die. Did God's promise fail? No. Because they received something far more wonderful. Talk about long life and going well for you. They received an early entrance to heavenly joys. So a child who has trusted in Christ and obeyed his parents or her parents and they die, what we would say early, not according to God's plan, it was on time. But in our minds, it's early. They got an early entrance into heavenly blessing and joy. Talk about long life, eternity, going well with you, with God, and receiving everything that is promised to the one who trusts in Jesus. And if we were able to ask them in heaven, they're like, you know, don't worry about me. I'm getting what we're all waiting for. I'm getting it early. And what a blessing. And yes, we, we do grieve. Because we miss them. But we don't grieve because things are bad for them. Because it's not, and, and some of you children are saying, "Well, I'm not saved yet." Okay, well, you better think about that. This isn't something to play with. I'll get around to that when I get older. And you no, know, you have to think about your relationship to Jesus right now. Pray about it. Talk to him. Talk to your parents about him. See, he has something laid up for those who trust in Jesus that is amazing, wonderful, beyond our wildest dreams. But that's only for those who trust in him. So, let's come back to our, our main idea. What, what should we think about we think of God's commands when children, when, you're, when you when you hear children obey your parents. Well, remember, these commands are in His Word, and there was a psalmist who was so head over heels in love with God's Word that he wrote a bazillion verses about it, and it's all about God's Word. Some of you know where we're going. Let's go back to Psalm 119. Really, really, really long Psalm. But this guy was so in love with God's Word. Psalm 119, We look first at verse 47. He loved God's Word because it has these commands in it. These commands that kind of, you know, we're kind of like, Oh, I wish I didn't have any commands to obey. Well, think about how this guy felt like felt about God's commands. one nineteen forty seven and I shall what? Delight in no commandments. Right, your commandments. I will delight in your commandments which I love. Wow. That's an incredible view of God's word. Commands. There's law. I delight in them. I love them. And then one more. Verse 165. Now, you don't find that anywhere else, right? Verse 165, right? 165. Those who love your law have great peace. That's going well with them. And nothing causes them to stumble. Children and young people. All of us, yes, but I especially want you kids to listen. I want you to we were talking about salvation. I want you to think about what we learned earlier in Ephesians chapter two. I want you to think about God's love to us in Christ. You see, chapter six is built on chapter two, among other things. Chapter 2 is part of the foundation. These commands don't come to us just in a vacuum where it's just God saying, okay, do this and don't do that. No, He first tells us about His love for us. So those first few verses of Ephesians 2 are painful to read. We're not going to read them right now. Not because they're not painful. We don't have time. But we're in bad shape as sinners. Bad. But verse 4, Ephesians 2, 4. But God, what a beautiful contrast. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, He made us alive together with Christ. Praise the Lord. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in order that in the ages to come, He might show the surpassing riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. How are you saved? For by grace you have been saved for those who have trusted in Christ. It is through faith that is putting your trust in Him, in Jesus, and what He has done on the cross. It's through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Okay, where does obedience come into this? After you're saved, you will have the Holy Spirit, chapter 5, who fills you and enables you to obey. You also have a heart that wants to obey at that point. And it's because of salvation, verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. think that's obedience which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Kids, you must think about salvation. Uh, Adults, some of you still need to hear about salvation and still need to trust in Christ. You must. And it's not, oh, I better trust in Jesus so I don't get sent to hell. How does God hold forth this offer to you? And because of His love. He loves these that Jesus died for. It's out of His love that He sent Christ. It's in His love that He's given us these commands. It's in love He gives us the Spirit to enable us to obey them. It's in love that He saves us and gives us a new heart so that we want to obey them. Fly to Christ. Trust in Him.